Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtun Millwall. Come on, who said being a Millwall fan was easy? Well, no one to be truthful, and so it's proven yet again just one week on from the giddy euphoria of the away win at the City Ground Nottingham. And yes, we're mugged off at home by a journeyman, Huddersfield Townside, who came with a plan, stuck to it, and returned back up north with the, the three-point haul that leaves Mill still stuck in that perilous third-place relegation position. Listeners, welcome to Achtung Mill and despite all of the gloom, you have a packed programme to enjoy on this week's show, which is, of course, the CBL Magazine podcast and the number one Millwall show. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Nick Hart, and featuring today's programme, we have my review of yesterday's 3-1 loss at home to the Terriers at Zampa Road, plus post-match comment from my regular co-host Charlie Mahoney, and then a new voice to the show in Harry Warren. Furthermore, we've got details of the forthcoming AMS-organised boat trip to Brentford in March. Now, count me in on that one, chaps. Why not uh, check out the details on their Twitter account, which is AMS Group on Twitter, uh, that looks like a cracking day out in March, despite all today's gloom. Uh, and finally, finally, we've got a treat for you. We're going to close out today with a short but perfectly form-listed Lions interview with the now-retired manager of the former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, Mr Lennox Lewis. Yes, Miss Kelly Maloney is on the show. Stay tuned, incidentally, for Kelly's controversial views on Ian Holloway. Here I am, standing in Zampa Road, talking to Nicky Simpson of the Association of Millwall Supporters, also known as AMS on Twitter. Welcome to the show, Mick. Morning, Nick. How are you? You all right? Well, afternoon, even. Afternoon. I've worked fucking hard. I was just saying that I've never worked so hard on a Saturday morning doing all this magazine malarkey and doing the show. Well, you've got your glamorous assistant today, so... My, my not-so-beautiful assistant here. <laughs> 
<laughs> Welcome to the show, Mick. Welcome to you. How's the AMS going, mate? I see you on Twitter. You've got a lot of reach out there. It's, uh, it's going well. I think the um, people are, are excited to hear the details, obviously, for yeah. the uh, the next boat trip, which uh, you were kindly with a little uh, agreement and a few pints and whatnot, wouldn't it be exclusive? <laughs> this is what I'll do for a few pints of free. <laughs> <laughs> bit of free advertising as such, but yeah. Um, so you're running a boat down to Brentford and a return trip, I We're the only people, by the counts, by right. all accounts at the moment, are running a, a return boat. For the Brentford away game. For the Brentford yeah. away. We've, we've taken in, we'd already taken in the possibility that the kickoff time was going to be moved. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. It's, where's uh, the boat start from? And it, it starts from Greenwich. Yes. Greenwich and it goes Greenwich. up to the, the closest spot to um, Brentford, which I think is Kew. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously it's a little walk from Kew yeah. to, to the ground. Yeah. Um, we're looking to leave at 9am, slightly earlier. Yep. So unfortunately this time, I don't think people will be able to go in the pub and get a beer beforehand. <laughs> but they can get a beer on that boat, I hope. Mate. We can get a beer on the boat, definitely get a beer on the boat. We've, we've done a few things because the last boat, you know, we, we've, we've changed the, the drinks to a yep. degree. Yep. Um, we're now serving Coke and lemonade. No. <laughs> right, bean and squash for those who well, go for it. That's it. No, we're, um, this time we're going to be doing pints. Yeah, OK. Um, and I've managed to, we've managed to negotiate... Um, um, four pound a pint, right? Okay. Which I think in this day and age is, is quite a good deal, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's lager, obviously, or beer and cider. Yeah. So I think that pretty much caters for everybody. The tickets are going to shift fast for this. Yeah, tickets get, are going to shift. How can people fast. get in touch with you? Well, we're going to be doing it by the website. Right. We've got a new website launching very soon. Yep. Um, and there's going to be you can buy the tickets on there. We're yep. looking to sell four tickets per person. Okay. Um, and any more, if you know, at the moment, if you can get more than that, we, yep. we will only be sending out four per person yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because that way at least everybody can get it those yeah. who are on the first one will know what sort of time we had like in case. I've seen the YouTube footage of you going that past went viral. Yes. and that weren't even our, that weren't even anything to do with us that was a complete passerby <laughs> what videoed it and I think she's never felt never felt so popular in her Welcome entire to life London. <laughs> yeah. this was a tourist video listeners who saw the uh, AMS boat going past festooned with uh, flags and an almighty Monk charm going up uh, and Westminster Bridge. Yeah, and, and the no one likes us and yeah, the girls yeah, listening yeah. to us. And um, yeah, it was, you can uh, still see that online on YouTube. You yeah. see it on our YouTube channel, see which we're there. just about to launch shortly as well. So, um, how much per ticket, Mick? How much are you charging per ticket? It's £25 a ticket. Okay. Um, last time we'd done it, we, it was, you know, we were fairly cheap. We were £15 a ticket. Yeah. This time we just thought, you know what, current times, etc., etc. Yep. We're not there. To, to rip the arse out of people. No. 25 quid return. Yep. I think very reasonable. Yep. And, you know, you're talking probably about five hours in total yeah. on the river. And it looks like a cracking day out. Last one looked like a fantastic, fantastic event. Fantastic day out. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll, I'll, be on come I'll be on the boat. I'll be on the boat. I will be broadcasting from the boat. I'm not sure what state I'll get off the boat in, but I guarantee I'll be there on with this little recorder. So, fantastic. I think it should be good fun. But, yeah, yeah. so um, watch the Twitter feed, which is AMS Group or yep. AMS Hyphen group or yep. underslying you, you, you can find it yeah, fairly we'll easily that as well, um, so. keep an eye on there no point sending us messages that you want tickets everything's going to be done through the membership you need to join up on the membership yep. and then pretty much we go from there it's just it, it's the easiest way for us to be able to do it yep. and then we release so many tickets and then obviously if there's any tickets left coming up closer towards the day then we release and we let people know but that will be going out the the website we're looking at trying to get that running we're in the process now of doing that now 
that should hopefully go live next weekend. Next weekend, yeah. Um, again, I'll let you know what's yeah. what. Yeah. Um, and then just really keep watching just the watch Twitter. The tweet feed, and yeah. if you're not already following us, then please do so because yeah. you can see, you know, we release a lot of photos, a lot of old time memories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got a YouTube channel coming shortly um, with lots and lots of old memory lane games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good times ahead. And, you know, we feel that we're doing all right in a minute. So, hopefully, the fans agree. Yep. Wish you all the best, mate. That's no, fantastic no, stuff, very mate. Much. And um, you're welcome back on the show anytime, mate. No worries. Nice to, nice to meet you again. Cheers, mate. Take care, No mate. worries. Thanks a lot. Achtung, Mailball. So there we are. Welcome to the Den, listeners. You join the game in play. I've been outside selling the magazine. Game's underway. We're all attacking the away end. And they're familiar. Blue and white. Had us in the kind of Brazilian style yellow and blue today. Here we got. We've got falling goal across the defence. We've got Huivelt. We've got Beavers. Done. Cummings. Midfield's looking like uh, Abdu. Sean Williams. Fabrini there. Upson. Gray, Mayerhofer up front. Oh dear. Busy day outside, listeners. A lot of kids. There's some kind of um, cheap entrance still going today. Slightly larger crowd than normal in here, which is good to see. Hope springs eternal. But in the words of Ian Jury, hope springs eternal springs right up your backside, doesn't it? And that's always a danger down there at the den. Last week, we, we very much rode our luck up at Nottingham Forest. We can't... Um, we can't overdo this uh, confidence thing. Always a poor cross. But that said, we kept our shape and we went forward well. We can't hide from the fact that uh, they hit the crossbar twice and had a chance from underneath the you know the goalpost dug out. But that's all we can do. All we can do is keep our, our, our shape, ride our luck, and press forwards. And that's what we did last week. And that's what we need to do today, I think. Here comes Fabrini down the left-hand side. He cuts inside. It's got Gray free. Gray miscontrols. He blasts a shot on goal. Parried by the goalkeeper and cleared. Gray took it too far to the left. That was a beautiful run by Fabrini there. We're retaining possession high up the pitch. Here's Williams. Back to Huyvelt. Nice stuff from the Lions, listeners. Fabrini just went past his man like he didn't exist. And he's cutting side. He's causing them all sorts of problems down that right-hand side, listeners. What new superlatives can I come up with for Fabrini? Addo, what a beautiful run there. Again, he's trying his tricks. No attacking well down the right-hand side. That's gone for a throw. Coming up for the first 10 minutes, and Mill looked bright going forwards. Cummings has a, whatever it was, a block cross come shot. It's gone out for a throw over by the Betsy365.com advert. Underneath the large Euroferries display on the stand. Euroferries, hmm. Will they still be our sponsors soon? Who knows? It's bobbling around inside the penalty. It's Upson. Mayerhofer hits the crossbar! From close range. Unlucky. Blasted in from a very tight angle. Um, Upson's trying to control it back to goal. Got it wide to, to Mayerhofer, who hit, blasted in uh, at very close range and hit the crossbar. Opportunity. It's coming up for 15 minutes on the clock. Mills have started brightly. Looked the more dangerous side by some, some distance. And so far, not much has been seen from Huddersfield Town. Huddersfield looking a little bit rattled by Mills' bright start. And 16 minutes gone. First chance for Huddersfield Town. Opening goal for Huddersfield Town. 
moved through the middle, knocked over the middle defence to the uh, the winger, the bloke we were after, I can't think his name, number seven, who blasts home from close. That's, that's harsh on the lines. We've opened brightly, we've looked the better side, and we've got a goal down. So it's going to be a test of the Lions' metal today to come back from that. Tough, tough, tough break from Millwall. It was a nice ball over the top of the defence and, and the guy was put through on goal. I think it was, it was the seven, I, I don't know his name. This is, this is why you listen to this show, listeners, for this level of accuracy and detail. It's Fabrini. Got two Huddersfield defenders on him and it's gone for a throw-in. Scannell, I've just had a look on Twitter, Scannell. We were, we were talking about Scannell, I think, in the in the summertime. And we, we for whatever reason, we never got close to, to sign him. He's the one who scored. Another opportunity, the third is almost put through on goal there. It's, it's like it's going to fall to this scannel guy again over on the right-hand side. He's twisting, he's turning. Cuts back. The two floats it in now. There's no one is uh, coming. He puts it behind for a, a corner to Huddersfield. 20 minutes gone. After a bright start, the mill will find themselves behind. In comes a corner, swung in towards the near post. Full punch is clear. Ball crossed in. Aim towards the far post, it's bouncing around in the penalty area, it hits the deck, and it's a free kick to Millwall. Danger over. Ford gets a yellow card for misplacement of the free kick location. This referee's in danger of losing the plot quite early on. Little broke, small man, in a big situation. Looks like his shorts are pulled up too high, and he's got his shirt tucked in. You're getting the picture already, I think. There's my half. He looks lost. Oh, fouled. Fouled. I want to get behind Meyerhofer, listeners. I want to support him. I want him to do well. But he's had that one chance early on in the game, which he hit the crossbar. If had that had gone in, we might have been looking at a different game, of course. But he just doesn't look like he knows what he's doing at times out there. The, the basics of the striking role for big man is you have to stand your ground, you have to win headers, and you have to kind of control the ball when it's fired in at you. And he's not doing any of those things. Sean Williams standing over it. You've got Mayerhofer, you've got Beavers, Hoover in the box, Upson. In comes the cross. Now in it comes towards the... Oh, it's Hoover off the line! It's in there! Mayerhofer gets a rebound, and it's got in the net. One each! Not by luck and design, but who gives a shit about that, listeners? One all! Mayerhofer! I want to see that again in real time. It looked like um, Hoover's header came off the line, rebounded into Mayerhofer, and looped up over into the net. I might be doing a wild disservice there. It might be had a lot more intention on that ball than I'm seeing. But it did look like um, luck rather than judgment. But who really seriously cares about it? It's one all. We're back in a game that we deserve to be back in, and that is all that counts. Just short of half hour mark. Good noise inside the stadium, as you can hear, listeners. Is Fabrini poorly placed pass? So unusually for him. Upson's got it. He loses it midfield and trips his man. Going to get yellow for that. It's Williams, excuse me. That's three yellows in the middle side. We've got not even half an hour on the clock. A little Napoleon, a little Hitler in the in the in the middle of the park there. A man drunk on power and his ability to wield cards left, right and centre. You know the type of bloke I'm talking about, listeners, don't you? You've probably got a car a parking ticket off of that man. He probably is even your boss at work. You know exactly who I'm talking about. And the type of person. 
Here comes the wall. Oh, he gets shot. Surely it's got to be a free kick. It is. He's got to draw a yellow for that. It's, it's give, someone's going to walk out of this, this uh, game at some stage. Number three kicks this uh, yellow as this bloke is issuing out there. The crowd won that yellow. He didn't want to give it, I don't think, but he's got to because the howling Millwall crowd on him might ban Shees. Gway on the brink of the area. Good right hand ball, but he got away with it. Back to Fabrini. Diego Fabrini on the left hand side. He checks inside, cuts inside again. All through, almost finds Gray, almost flicks it through. It's Gray, or can he get a shot on goal? Oh, just wide! Free shot from the edge of the penalty area, probably about a yard wide from what I could see of it. 35 minutes, Mill looking brighter going forwards now. The nice linkage there between Fabrini and Nagai Gray, our continental duo. Of course, the sad truth is that we haven't got a cat's chance in, a snowball's chance in hell of signing Diego Fabrini because you can just see the million pounds and euros worth of value in it, in that player every time he touches the ball. He is a different level to anything we've seen in a while. But let's just enjoy the loan while we've got it. It's a bit like having a um, one of the, the, the Dutch masters or the, the Italian Renaissance paintings on loan at the National Gallery, isn't it? You, you know you don't own it, but you can look at it and you can admire it. And you can take pleasure from what you're seeing. And that's, that's how we've got to look at this period to the end of the season whilst we have this Italian artist on, on, on show for us. Beavers lets a player through. Oh, Beavers made a poor error of judgment there. He, he, he kind of was angling to chest it back, missed it totally. He felt the scanner, the score of the goal. It was too far wide. He fired it. He looked like he got in the net for a moment, but he hit the side netting. A chance um, gifted to Huddersfield there. If they'd have made that hurt, then uh, there would have been a court of inquiry held into Mark Beaver's judgments there, or lack of judgments. Defensively, we will look a little fragile at times. We, we, we've kind of given a, a surface appearance of assuredness. Who have helped coming in has certainly brought in a certain touch of, of quality to us. But then there's a slight flaw in that we lose our minds every now and again. It's, it's like just about controlling your sanity. And then every now and again, something mad pops into your head and you start thinking of all your, your work colleagues naked or having sex or something. And then you have to jolt yourself back to sanity again and get back to that spreadsheet that you're supposed to be paying attention to. And then suddenly the idea of your boss squiring someone from behind or something comes into your mind. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about here, don't you? If you do know what I'm talking about, you're probably as loopy as I am. Williams over to Cumming on the on the, on the the um, right-hand side. He's got Williams overlapping. Cummings puts a low ball in. He finds Gray blasts it. Took a deflection over the bar. Gray shot. He wants to shoot. He noticeably wants to shoot from distance more, Gray. That took a deflection over the bar. So that's Mill Corner. I'm guessing at 41 minutes. I missed the start, so I've got my... Uh, you know, my, my much-loved stopwatch running on my phone, so I'm guessing from my watch is about 40, 41 minutes. In comes the cross from Upsurn, it's cleared. Huddersfield on the attack, comes Scannell down the right-hand side. Ball angle back, it's a, is it the crossbar? Oh, Jesus, that was a shot from the edge of the penalty, that should have, the goal was wide open. Another opportunity, we've ridden our luck there. Again. How long can we keep riding our luck? We did it at Forest last week, we're doing it again today. Huddersfield cross in, no one there. That's going to come right to Scannell, causing all sorts of damage down the right-hand side. He floats another cross back, ball pinging it back and forth across the middle penalty area. The second ball now is not being picked up. 17's got it now. Here's the eight, puts it back into the middle penalty area. Fabrini can't win it. Here's Mayerhofer. Bring a bit of order and calmness. Here's Fabrini down the left. 
It's like a roller coaster, listeners. One minute you're up, next minute you're down. He checks. And back to Revolt. No, it, it's, it is like being on a fairground um, roller coaster because the ball was flying backwards and falls across our penalty area there. We'll go abandon. And then we break and we're looking dangerous on the attack. Push and shove on the half. There's Mayor Hopper's biggest fan next to me. He made the effort to go after it, didn't quite make it. Is it entertaining? Not for not not when you're a partisan watcher of the game. I'm sure if he was a neutral, it's probably a pretty entertaining game. But from our point of view, the, the, the kind of good is being outweighed or is balanced by the bad. Gray's fighting hard in midfield there. Good stuff, Maguire Gray. He was, he was being bumped by two Huddersfield players on the floor practically and still retaining control of the ball. Done very well now. Good to see this player coming into his own. I, I do think there's a good, strong forward attacker there. And we haven't seen much of it so far, but he's showing it today. So in comes a corner from Magai Gway. It's low. Um, Meyerhofer doesn't control it. Surprise, surprise. And it runs loose. And there's Jimmy Abdul back and He's buffeted. That's going to be a free kick. Crowd want a yellow over there. Why not? The yellows have been issued like confetti at a wedding during that first half against the Millwall players, but less so, of course, against the Huddersfield Town players. The ball forward. He's trying to go after... Whoville loses it, it's back, Dunn's going to win this, push out for a throw, claiming they've been pushed, two minutes of overtime at the end of the half, crowd brought him off, has he got a, red, a yellow already, he should be yellowed for that, I bet he won't be, and he wasn't, it's blood and thunder stuff, I like it, this is what we want down at then, blood and thunder, drama, Meyerhofer gets involved there, hits him on the back of the head. He doesn't really do much other than be there and perhaps rather like a pinball. Um, well, of course, things on the, the pingers on the pinball table, that they're just there in a way. There's a goal. No, it was a fantastic miracle save on the death of half-time by David Ford. It was a ball into the penalty chair, a little looping header, almost intended to be over the goalkeeper. Ford backtracks and digs it out from underneath the crossbar. Fantastic save, nonchalantly delivered, like it's just yet another collection, you know, from a, from a casual kind of cross. That was a fantastic save. There's half-time. Millwall 1, Huddersfield Town 1. Spirited comeback by the Lions. We've looked good on occasions going forwards in their first half. Um, fragile on occasions in defence. Quite a few occasions, unfortunately. A little bit like we did at Forest last week. But that said, um, we've, we've survived. A couple of um, opportunities for Huddersfield to score. But we've also had chances going forward. So much to draw from the half. Yes, a lot of lessons to be learned in defence too. But anyway, there it is. Half-time, Millwall 1, Huddersfield Town 1. Referee booed off the pitch, as is traditional at the Den. Achtung. Lions Live Radio, a little Twitter section now we do. Lions Live Radio saying the Lions perhaps shading play, but Huds look very dangerous when they attack. Scannell causing no end of problems, that's true. Huds, have you called them Huds before? Huds was a, a, a film with um, was that Montgomery Cliff or was that Paul Newman? I'll have to ask Charlie Mahoney later, he's, he's, a, he's our film expert. Um, uh, anyway, Huds are looking very dangerous when they attack. Jamie makes a good point, Jamie, JG94, that if teams like Watford can let Fabrini go out on, on loan, then maybe we have no place in this division. Quality of players going out on loan like Fabrini. 
Yeah, you can look at it that way, Jamie. That's true. I, th I think um, we certainly won't be able to afford him. The value of him, I can see how he would cost you three or four million at this level. He, he is um, a quality, quality turn, that's for sure. Um, and we may as well just enjoy the fact that we can borrow him for a little while. Because I don't think we've got many other choices. We're certainly not going to be able to sign him on any kind of long-term long contract. Just reading that that miracle save that I was raving about earlier on was actually from Naki Wells, who was a, a major signing for Huddersfield. I, I, I do think sometimes it's interesting when you see a team that like Huddersfield, a one, a one, um, one town club, aren't they? But um, one horse town in many respects, having been up there. Um, but they're able to bring in players that we just don't seem to be lay, able to lay our hands on on any kind of permanent basis. We we have to. Um, we are what we are. That's very deep, isn't it? I don't, actually, I've just said that. I don't really know what I mean by that. We are what we are. Everyone's what they are, aren't they? There's no other choice in the world. It's up to be who you are. I think I'll shut up. Achtung, Mailball. Alex Aldrich posts here that uh, Mill had more of the ball and territorial advantage, but Huddersfield very threatening on the break and probably had the better chances. I think that's probably about right. Um, we, we, we look, uh, we're not helping by being so defensively fragile. We've got clearly uh, Beavers playing at left back, which doesn't help. We made a, a poor error of judgment during that first half, almost gifted an opportunity to the, uh, the Dread Scannel. Um, confidence is low. It doesn't take an awful lot to knock you when you've had this kind of season we've had, but we are still in the game and um, we're about to enjoy the Zorb racing. So, what, what better thing to do on a freezing cold day, listeners, than watch Zorb racing? Half time at the floodlit den. Hmm, I can think of a few things, can't you? Achtung, Mailball. There we go, second half. Huddersfield attacking the away end. Millwall will be attacking the Coldplay Lane end in this second period, listeners. Can we press on and win this? It's within our capabilities. Equally, it's within our capabilities to throw it away and get beat. So everything's up for grabs. Scannell's looking a dangerous player. He's going down the, the right wing again. He's got two more players on him. He's taking it off for a goal kick. Um, I can see why we were interested in him. He, he, he does bring a certain quality of strength and, and running down the right-hand side, which we, we've lacked for large slices of the season. Uh, Fabrini's got more of a delicate kind of charm to him. Scannell's a much more muscular winger. And he's looked dangerous, been their best player by some distance. He, the eight crosses the ball in from the corner, almost a free header, looked like he's pushed, it's fired in on goal. Full blocked it on the line and cleared by Hoovel. Ooh, chance. Yellow card for the 21. That's a red card for the 21. Challenging midfield, who's that down there? I can't see who's gone down. He's, who's the guy who got the, the talking to at the end of the first half? See the second yellow for a challenge on the middle. Uh, it kind of got underneath him, made it back. I think is the old school term for it. Naki Wells, of course, I think it is, isn't it? 21. It is indeed Naki Wells. He's off. Huddersfield down to 10 men. Massive moment in the game. Could this be the moment we'll press on, make it count? Ooh, wow! Big, big moment. Big decision by the referee. Maybe I was a little harsh about him earlier on. I think I called him a little Napoleon, a little Hitler. But he's not such a bad bloke. I think, um, like you know, like Mr. Hitler got the trains running on time. I think Napoleon brought in the weights and measure system across Europe, legal system. Sometimes these little jumped up, power hungry, crazed 
Want to be dictators, though? They're not so bad, are they? Here's Alan Dunn, free kick forwards, trying to find a revolt, gets behind it, and it's going to be cleared by the Huddersfield defence. Back to Jimmy Addo. Little pressing falls. They want to make this a, uh, advantage count. They've got a man advantage. Here's Upson. Huddersfield on the back foot at the moment. They're trying to absorb the impact of that sending off. Here's Huvelt from distance. Finds Beavers. Little retaining possession. The crowd are getting behind them. You can hear it behind them. It's a long ball. Finds Gray on the right-hand side. Can't beat his man. has gone for a throw. 52 minutes. Here's Alan Dunn crossing the halfway line. Long, diagonal. Ball falls. Trying to find Meyerhofer. He gets penalised. I thought he might have done something good there, actually. He, he seemed to be able to beat his man and chest it down. He did it by probably tripping the bloke up. Just strictly speaking against the rules. They look rattled by the loss of their man, and I suppose many, many teams would. That they, they would feel they probably should have been a goal in front, a goal or two, perhaps, judging by the chance they've had. As it is, they've lost one of their main men. And Mill are coming at them now. This is the, as in the traditional Mill style that we want to see, going at teams. Not giving them any, any time or, 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 or pause. Uh, the team, although they've got their flaws, no one's hiding from that. But they look and act and conduct themselves like Millwall team should, a Millwall side. Not like a collection of um, disinterested individuals that we were watching just a few weeks ago. So fair play to Ian Holloway and to John Berrelson for backing the, the change that's produced this turnaround. Did you hear this on this show a few weeks back? You tell me. No, I don't think you were hearing this kind of atmosphere because the players weren't producing the goods. Now this, this team are producing the goods. Win or lose out of today. Still one all. 58 minutes on the clock. Fabrini going down the left. Taking on his man. He's got an overlap. He cuts inside. He's probably taking it a little bit too far. Perhaps guilty of the self-indulgence of the true artist. Anyone that's ever done anything creative would know about this floor I suppose it's how you create great things you can't do it by committee listeners you've got to do it because you know it to be brilliant and then let others judge and that is the kind of player that Diego Fabrini is he is an artist he has no truck with um, consensus opinion wishy-washy people that want him to play the percentage ball he is a genius who will take players on and yeah he'll take it that step too far that's the kind of price you pay when you try you sign the true creative new on the attack is Gray from distance now, what can he do? Man Bryan, he's got Cummings. Ups and shoots over. Nice move, Millwall, nice move. Could have been better, should have been better, arguably. 60 minutes on the clock. There you go, going along. That's right, that's Millwall. Back, it's, we've got our Millwall back, we don't lose today. It feels like the den again. There's a Huddersfield 4A4. It's rare this second half since they've lost the man. They've been pinned back largely. They've got a throw in down in front of me here. That's a handball, surely. Not given. It's gone for a throw. Nine's got a curious band around the back of his head. I don't know if he's... Uh, he must have hurt himself. It's probably some kind of protective banding, but it makes him look for a world like... Um, like one of those creatures, what they call the automatons, what they call the things that are... The, 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 the men, men machines on Star Trek I can't think the bloody creatures what they call themselves the Borgs the Borgs ladies and gentlemen he looks like a Borg he's got a band around the back of his head that looked like it might be some kind of um, collective brain entrance uh, portal of some sort possibly it is possibly he's taking his orders from 
the Huddersfield Town. Uh, it was an awful ball there. Whoville pulled us out of trouble there. It's a poor, poor pass across our own penalty. Just in danger taking it a little bit casually, Mill, with that man advantage. Mill in control, but just got to watch the casual pass out. This is still a dangerous Huddersfield side. They've looked good in the first half and will feel themselves aggrieved to be in this situation. Peter's not really looking comfortable in the left-back position. You can't blame him. He's a central defender. He's doing an adequate job at best. Adequate, I think, is probably the best I can say. Meyerhofer doesn't win it. Never heard that before. Williams chips it forwards. He's trying to find Huvelt. It's back across. It's for Greeny. Front of goals bobbling around. The goalkeepers. Oh, it's off the line. Huvelt, little nip in. Huddersfield clear. Last ditch stand from Huddersfield. Unlucky Millwall. 64 minutes gone. We're pressing forwards. Back to Dunn. Pretty much relentless Mill pressure at the moment. Another long ball forward trying to find Meyerhofer, who doesn't win it. Psychic, here comes um, Fuller for Meyerhofer. Applauded off the pitch. <laughs> a generous applause, in my opinion. I mean, obviously he's got the goal. He got us back into the game. Um, we might have to see this. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of having the benefit of seeing the replay. Um, to say he got the goal is generous because it kind of hit him. But there we are. I'm being nit nitpicking. Gregory's in, free kick, right-hand side. It's going to be Sean Williams that takes. Kind of level with the edge of the penalty area. It floats it in, it's bobbling around. It's gone across the goal. That was a chance. Flashed across the goal, no one could get the touch on it. It's gone for a corner. It must have been deflected pass in that case. It falls back to Fabrini, Mill relentlessly coming forwards. He finds Dunn on the right. Dunn puts a cross in there, it's towards Gregory. Dunn bashed the, um, the defender in the action trying to get the, the header on goal. It's a little bit like um, every man for himself out there in the Huddersfield defence at the moment. That said, we've got to be careful. We can be get hit by a sucker punch. They're, they're not a bad side going forwards. Here's the 30 now, just inside. He finds the Brainiac 5, at number, well, number 9 rather, the man with the, uh, the link to the Borg home planet. And he's coming down the left side now. This is Scano, a dangerous player. He's fighting with Beavers, who stands his ground. He's gone for a goal kick. Well done, Mark Beavers. Here they come on the break. I'm, I'm much shut up, I was just about to say. The eight shoots from distance. It's got in and there. 2-1. Fucking hell. Long distance. He's scuffed in front of Falls and gone over his hands into the net. I was just going to say they'll be glad to get out of here alive, let alone with a win. Jesus Christ. What this club does to you? 14 minutes to go. 15 minutes to go. Changes the dynamic yet again. Mill 2-1 behind now. Huddersfield taking forever to reform. Referees really do let this um, reforming after the goal go. I mean, I, I know they all do it and we do it as well. So, um, you know, it goes in all directions. But the amount of time teams take to reform after scoring a goal is, is inordinately long these days. 2-1 was, of course, the result up at um, the Gow Farm Stadium, is it called? John Smith Stadium, I think it was, that I went to earlier in the season. Uh, appalling performance that day by Mill, absolutely appalling performance that day, but not so today, in all fairness. I mean, it's been a lot better in many areas of the game. Um, defensively, still, we still have our issues, as, as that second goal there clearly demonstrates. Um, but today, as a generality, I mean, we've made a, a big step forward from where we were back in September when we went, went on that journey north. Thirty's twist and turning as a penalty. Twist, the, the 30 was, was clattered from behind as he went into the mill penalty area there. 
Um, it looked like a fair call from where I'm sitting, listeners, for a penalty. Doesn't help, I know. Not what you want to hear, I know. Um, but, yeah, there it is. Penalty to Huddersfield. Um, coming up for five minutes left in the game, so it'll be about the 85th minute at the moment. And the nine's going to take, and this should seal it for Huddersfield. 3-1. There it is. I think that is game over. Milford is streaming for the exits all around. Time you listen to this, the game will be over. You'll be sitting drinking your beer, your scotch, your mug of cocoa, your Ovaltine, or whatever it is you're drinking. Reflecting on an opportunity lost, really, for Millwall. Um, we got back in the game. We were kind of 50-50 in, in, in the start, but I think probably on the balance of the first half, um, Huddersfield probably deserved to, to at least be net, net uh, level with us and probably, they'd argue, be in front with chances created. Having clawed our way back into it and then winning the critical advantage of a man extra, um, we will look hard at ourselves as to why we didn't press on and take advantage of that, because we should have done, that's for sure. Marks out of 10 for the team listeners. Well, I will go with... Um, I'm going to have to give four to five. That He made a, <laughs> a five, that's harsh, because he made a miracle save at the end of the first half and then made a mistake to concede the second goal. Um, goalkeepers are obviously judged purely on their errors. As for that reason, I'm going to give him a five, which is probably a harsh five, I know. Across the back of the defence, done. Nothing brilliant, um, nothing, nothing poor. I'll give him a, give him a six. Who about six? He's been okay today. Not, not as commanding, nor as impressive. Um, Beavers looks uncomfortable. Give him a five. A couple of errors in that first half. Ball into the box there. It's gone wide. That's going to be a corner for Millwall. Williams has done okay. Um, give him a six today. Abdul's looked a little bit off. Um, he's a lot of effort, as ever. A couple of mistakes, a couple of errors. Going to give him a five. Um, then the front three, you've got Gray, I like today. Um, probably not as um, effective as he should have been, but he's, he's come a lot closer. Mill Corner now coming in. Away from the six-yard box, it rolls away from Walford. Um, Fabrini's looked at our main danger. I'm going to give him a seven. Main of the match for Millwall uh, today. Gray, I'll give, give him a six. A couple of good chances, good shots that are unluckily blocked. Absent did okay. Substituted, as, uh, as is his role. Here's Fabrini now coming late. Lee Gregory's done not very much. He's not really been in the game long enough to justify any marking. Meerhoff, uh, oh, four. He's, I know he got the goal, and I know I'm sounding biased. I don't mean to sound biased. He's been poor again. Poor. He's not a striker that's going to incur any danger when we go forwards. That's what we need if we're going to survive. Number four. I think that's everybody. Absent, I'll give a six to. I think I missed him out. There's a final whistle. Mill one. Huddersfield Town three. Um, overall, not a bad display by the Lions. I don't walk out of here with my head held low like we have on many other previous occasions where we got beaten. We were fairly beaten having given our best. Um, we've only got ourselves to blame in the sense of not exploiting that ten, uh, the, the one-man advantage when they went down to ten men. But fair play to Huddersfield. They came back well. They looked a strong side going forwards. And we still lack a little bit of um, a semblance of, uh, of organisation, structure and defence. So... On balance, I suppose it was probably a fairish result. We can't really claim it. We didn't do enough to claim it. There we are. That's the 
live section of the show done. I'll be back after these messages with my co-presenter, Charlie Mahoney. Stay tuned. Stop with today's result, call 02081440232 and leave your message now. Nick, hi, good evening. Uh, this is Mick Williams from East Upper, Block 16. Just want to really make a note today. Um, pretty bad performance, in sec- especially in the second half, Dan, against 10 men. Um, I want to make a make a bit of a bit of a mention about David Ford's massive error. Um, I personally think it's unforgivable. Um, at this level, professional footballers, you know, in the championship, making them sort of errors, um, I think is completely unacceptable. Um, I mean, he's he's a very very good shot stopper. Don't get me wrong, he has very very he's a lot of positives. Um, but his kicking, his distribution, the amount of times he throws it out from the back, puts the defenders under pressure, um, and no sort of the shot today was just ridiculous. I couldn't believe it spoiled over him the way it has put us two-one down, um, and then up against it with what 15 minutes to go. Just really, just a sickener. Um, yes, Jimmy Abdu did make a mistake, but David Ford should not be getting beaten from that far out. Um, I don't know what the solution is. Maybe give the, give the kid Archer a go. I don't know, or King. I don't, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I want to obviously have a look at these young and see if they're any good. Um, but Ford today was just that's it. Really is unforgivable. I've got to say. Um, anyway, keep up the good work with the, with the podcast. Loving it every week. It's really really good. Um, and just uh, hope hope you stay up up the lines. Millwall one, Huddersfield three. After watching that. All right, big welcome to our regular co-host, Charlie Mahoney. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Hello, mate. You all right? Cold, numb, trying to think of what I might say that might be interesting and insightful for the listeners to our our show. Um, I'm hoping you're going to come up with all the wit and the Oscar Wildean quotes today, mate. It's it's interesting that we were just talking before we went on air about um the game today and I you know I I've expressed the somewhat controversial view on online that I at one all I, I didn't think we were that far off the pace and I thought we actually might press on and and win that. I, I've been told I'm deluded and you know I'm I'm just as bad as all away and all sorts of things in return. But um <laughs> But I actually thought we had it within our power to press on and win that game at one all down then down to ten men, and somehow we contrived to come away with a three one defeat. Um, and I, th- I know this is going to be a controversial view, so I'll, I'll, I'll run this past because I know that you know um, we need to start somewhere. But I actually thought that we we didn't look as bad at that point at one all down them down to ten men as we have done in 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 a while. I don't know where you how you feel about that, Charlie. I mean, I think I agree with you in the sense that there was sort of like a self-destructive nature to it, really. Um, we sort of chose to go down a certain path that led to our demise, really, rather than just, you know, uh, playing badly, really. I mean, there was individual errors there that were really important. And uh, 
think you can sit there and say that, you know, individual errors are inevitable, they're going to happen, but it's, it's sort of imperative that you respond to them in the right way and we seem to just do the total opposite. I mean, I think the, uh, the 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 killer goal was the second goal. I mean, um, I was actually trying to think back to the, the the Huddersfield opening goal, which I had a sense it was a long range effort from from the edge of the penalty area, but I I, I can't actually recall it now. So um, this is this is why people tune into our show because I, I can't remember what happened. <laughs> um, and we we somehow clawed our way back in at, um, with a kind of a comic cuts goal. Because I mean, again, it was a Hooverville header on 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 target, and it seemed to hit. Um, Meyerhofer and going the goal somehow. I don't, I don't think he had much in a way of judgment about it, but we we clawed our way back in, didn't we? And we st- at times I thought we clung on in that first half. I didn't think Huddersfield were a bad side going forward, so I thought they looked dangerous. They looked very threatening on the break to me. Um, I would say actually that I was quite pleased with how we played in the opening fifteen minutes, but uh, I think their first goal majorly disrupted our rhythm. And I think we struggled to regain that sort of initial dominance and shape from then on, really. And though I didn't think Huddersfield were amazing, we just seemed to react to each of their goals like in the worst way possible. While on the opposite side, they naturally grew in strength. And uh, yeah, well, I, th- I think our confidence sort of declined each time that we conceded to the extent that defeat seemed inevitable before Vaughan even scored the penalty, to be honest. I think the thing is, I mean, today's game, the Mill, the Millwall game, I suppose, in in a way, was very similar to what um, the travelling public would have seen last week at Forest. Because up at Forest, we were very lucky. Um, they hit the crossbar twice. We they had a chance um, pulled from under the goal line. Practically, we rode our luck. And I think the fact that we nicked a goal late and won it gave a slightly false sense of um, you know um, optimism or, or whatever way you want to put it. In in many respects, today's performance for me today was was similar in that we at Forest we didn't look bad at times going forwards though very very fragile in defence and and in the same way today at times I didn't think we looked too bad overall um, but then we we conceded sucker punches and you're right we didn't react to the, the loss of the goals with with spirit we, we our heads dropped slightly didn't they Yeah, definitely. I think like an important distinction to make between Forest and Huddersfield is that. It was almost something willful on Forrest's part. They sort of had given up, whereas Huddersfield had a lot more character. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't really want to take anything away from the fact that we went up there and got three points, but it did feel like it was by virtue of them being so pathetically bad themselves that we won that game. Yeah, I mean, Huddersfield's um, tactics today were fairly straightforward. I mean, they reminded me of um, of Bradford in, in some respects. I mean, their, their winger, Scannell, looked the part. He, he was muscular, he was strong, and he was fast. It was everything in, in many respects that we've we've lacked all season. And he looked dangerous every time he got the ball. And, you know, we, we, we were clinging on. I've, I've got a memory of Ford making a, a, a very strong save just before half-time that would have sent us in at... 2-1 down and the game would probably have looked a lot different at that point if that had gone in Yeah um, good good point about Scannell actually and I think Aldo made another good point about him on Twitter that uh, I don't know how um, sort of prominent he's been for Huddersfield this season but you can sort of see why when uh, Chris Powell was appointed that he sort of blocked his transfer to us really because he yeah. can 
he could have seen the potential and I think that was definitely on display today. He looked like a, a really good player. Very much, even at 10 men, whenever they got the ball out to scan. I mean, I, I, I did a live piece earlier on and it was a regular kind of comment. Here comes, you know, Huddersfield down the right. Scannell was always involved in that. Very strong player and in, in some respects, I think he was, he was the difference because he did provide them with an outlet. And when they came at us in the, in, in, you know, late on in the second half, um, our own errors, our own, I don't know what you want to call it, in, you know, in, in, incompetence on, on occasions, contrived to, to give us a defeat where we really should have pressed on and won that game. It was, I mean, I think we'd have probably been saying this regardless of whether they had 10 men or not, that, you know, failing to win today would have been a massively missed opportunity. Yeah. I think, I think the fact that we were playing against 10 men just sort of reinforces it. But yeah, it, it just sort of... I think what really gets me about this defeat is that it feels like it could be quite a dramatic turning point for us, um, not just in terms of the result and the fact that we've lost, but you know our morale seemed to be gradually improving after the last two results, and I think it's taken a massive blow now. And I think like I'm hoping that we don't react to the result in the same way that we reacted to the individual goals during the game. I hope we can pick us up, but it looks increasingly unlikely. I mean, the, the reaction online has been quite um, full on. I mean, given the season we've had, we're not exactly strangers to defeat, Charlie, are we? And, you know, um, today's defeat does seem to have had double the impact. I think possibly there's a bit of a false sense of um, of optimism from last week. Many, many people didn't go to last week's game. Uh, you know, there's only, what, 600, 700 Millwall fans up there. Yeah. And I, I think somehow that there's this idea that we went up there and won well. Well, we didn't. We we rode our luck up there, and you know that that we, we weren't exactly um, cast iron cases today to 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 pull off a victory. I, th- I thought we 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 opened brightly. We took a bit of a step back once they uh, they went ahead. I agree, and got ourselves back in by luck um, in the game at one all. And then I thought for the the bulk of the second half, we we didn't. We didn't give have the final penetrative ball, but we we didn't look like a bad side in many respects. I, I I wasn't unhappy at fifteen minutes to go at one all. I thought we were still we still had the capability to press on and get that winner. Um, but then clearly Abdu made an error and they broke away. And um, you know Bob's your uncle, as they say. It was it was game over from that point onwards. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? 
yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You know, it's, a, it's a difficult game to assess because there were sort of freak elements. But like I say, I think, uh, you know, you go 2-1 down at home against 10 men with 15 minutes left and, and you know, your head shouldn't drop. You should be just as up for it as ever and I think that was precisely the problem really just the fact that we felt like we were sort of doomed after that point just you know yeah a lot of all up I mean a lot of lot of um, opinion online I mean I'm just reading here uh, one one bloke on on House of Fun has gone well over the top with this one I think South Norfolk Lion says that after 20 years of following Mills had enough and he's given up constant shit good luck to you but farewell now I think that's a bit strong personally (laughs) that wasn't the worst defeat that we've seen this season um maybe it's just the cumulative effect of of, of um constantly getting bashed up on on the on the field um but i actually thought that was more of a i don't know there was there was more spirit to the side for the bulk of the game um so i find those viewpoints quite hard to to understand um yeah i mean i think um you know i've heard that from a few people and i think it's a bit excessive uh, if I can try and look for a reason as to why people are trying to make out it's worse than ever, because you can clearly throw things at people that sort of destroy the argument, I think it may be just because of how bad we are at home. And historically, that hasn't really been the case, even though we are historically quite poor in general. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, a viewpoint I can get is from El Presidente. He said he didn't get past half past four. He went home at half past four to go out on the piss and that, that, that is a viewpoint I can understand um, I, I wish I'd have joined him but we, I, I had this um, show to, to finish off um, a guy Chris Chris O'Dapp says the second half was terrible Guay was awful I, and I didn't think Guay was that bad but anyway there we are had three good chances and melted Gregory was better than him um, I, I think it's I think it's tough isn't it? I mean if, if any of those chances had gone in it would have looked totally different Charlie um, you know I know that ifs and buts but you know, in in the in the tapestry of this season, that wasn't the worst performance that we've had by any stretch. No, I think it's just sort of because there's, there's mitigating circumstances, like I keep saying, the fact you know playing against ten men. But I also think it's because it's coming to that stage in the season where you're not really looking for what you can take from a game and build on and positives and things like that. You know, it's just becoming very important that we pick up points now. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was quite funny, you know, I was speaking to a few people before the game and they were saying, you know, I must win today, a draw is a disaster. I really don't think a draw would have been a disaster. It's just important that you keep picking up points. And I think the overall outcome of the game just demonstrates that, really. I mean, we'd definitely have taken a draw instead of what ultimately happened. Well, as it is, I mean, just looking at the table as you and me are talking, we're at the same position as we went into, into the game today. Brighton on 29 points, us on 27. I know the goal difference is probably a, a point in its own right, but um, you know we're not. It's not. It wasn't a disastrous result. Whether the performance and the knock to the morale is a disaster is a, is a good point. Um, it seems to have had a seems to have had a very deep impact on a lot of people. You know, you, you look around the den and and heads did drop with that. Maybe there was this sense that it was a winnable game that got away from us, and we haven't had a winnable situation for a long time, have we? I think it can be sort of quite well summed up in uh, Ford's reaction to the second goal. I mean, he just looked absolutely devastated, didn't he? And we all know that Ford's someone that in the past you would have looked at to be quite a uh, influential and inspiring character in that squad. So if he's feeling the effect of it, then you really do start to 
have concerns, I think. It's the loneliness of the goalkeeper, isn't it? I mean, he, he made a miracle save uh, just before half-time, but almost seemed to pull it out of the goal as it was going to, from a header, um, kept us in the game. And at that moment, you know, world-class save, or whatever you want to call it. And then one error, and it goes in the net, and that's all you're judged on. You're, you're only as good as your last mistake that you've made in the, in the goalkeeping role. I think that's why he felt that that loss today, because it was down to him. The second goal killed us, and we, we were never really going to make a comeback once we went behind. I mean, would you personally agree that it might be time to, to maybe drop forward? Not so much out of spite, but because... There is a new option on the scene, perhaps? Yeah, it's a, it was an interesting signing, wasn't it? Jordan Archer, we're talking about, from Spurs, who signed on, on loan, I think, to the end of the season this this week. Now, I've not I've not seen him, but clearly, if he's a Tottenham goalkeeper, you're going to expect a certain quality um, from him. Falder's um, Ford, made errors, as he as he done, has done over his career, and errors of judgment, um, and today's a good example. Um, Abdu made an error as well. It was Abdu's error that led to the break that produced the goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, would we would we want to drop our our, our first choice goalkeeper within, going into the last two months of the season? I I don't know that I would, Charlie. If I'm honest with you, no, I, I don't know that I would. Um, we're going to throw into the mix Jordan Archer, new new boy to the team. We've already got practically you know half the team are strangers to each other still. They're, Probably just getting to know each other, uh, and we're going to introduce a, another element into the most critical position on the pitch. Personally, not would you? Would you go for that? Would you? Would you? Would you make the change at, at this point away at Birmingham, maybe in the week or something? I mean, I wouldn't blame Holloway for considering it, but I think you know, as you mentioned, we're playing Birmingham away on Tuesday night, so maybe that's a blessing in itself. The fact that we can just so quickly move on from this result and not have to dwell on it, and not not have to dwell on those individual errors, and just sort of try and resume things, really. I mean, the other arrival in the week, which was an in, interesting, in a, in a blandly interesting way, I don't know if that makes sense, but Michael Tong has arrived from Leeds on loan. And and this is like, um, I don't know, old people drinking a cup of Complan. You think, well, why have, we, why have we bought Michael Tong? He's not the most exciting player in the world, is he? Um, you know, the, the one player that's made a difference to our season has been the arrival of Diego Fabrini, who does bring... Uh, a touch of the unexpected, and that I understand as a loan. But Michael Tong, can, I, I can't quite get what he's going to bring to the side. I, I wasn't sure whether it was just a thing to sort of placate people on deadline day because we yeah, we've, we've got, got someone. Yeah, <laughs> that's, um, that's called the Meyerhofer principle. That is, <laughs> Any, anything's better than nothing. <laughs> I mean, as far as I remember, um, Michael Tong was a decent player years and years ago when he was first coming through at Sheffield United with Michael Brown. And, uh, you know, he had a good season and I think they both moved on and their, their careers never really improved from there. And he he sort of changed in his nature as a player. He used to be quite an attacking, sort of entertaining prospect. And now yeah. he's got that kind of, you know, that Dave Brammer sort of northern holding midfielder thing about him. So, I, you know, I, I don't get what... You're right. I mean, that, that's precisely the, the image of, of the player that I had. And um, you think, well, what, why have we brought him in? We've got, it's not like we're short on um, holding midfielders in the, in the side. What I would have thought we were looking for was the flash of, and pizzazz of someone that can create from out of, out of nothing. Um, so I don't I know. Think, I, don't I know. think we've got that with Fabrini. Though, as you say, um, well, I was going to ask you where, where do you stand on the Fabrini question? Because I mean, I've seen a few tweets. One from Glenn, who did the show last week, um, calling him a luxury player. A lot of flash, a lot of Italian, um, you know, kind of uh, surface look. 
but with no end product is the criticism of him. But where do you stand on Fabrini, Charlie? I actually feel quite differently about him. I, I would say that when we signed him, I was a bit worried and I thought he might have been a luxury player and not necessarily what we need in the current situation. But mm. for me, I mean, today I thought he was exceptional in the first half at times. And what I like is the fact that there's not just a bit of quality there, but the fact that he's industrious as well. And that means that he's not just keen to have the ball at his feet, but when possible, he actually tries to help his teammates out of trouble. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a lot more effective than I initially thought. And we've only got him on loan, so he's no long-term solution for the club. But as a, if you're going to loan, if you're going to borrow, you might as well borrow the very best that you can. And I, I just think he's a different... A different level, you know, but from what we've seen, you can. I can. I said on the live piece, I can see why he's worth millions. You know, he does have that ability to take players on, keep the ball in tight situations, and somehow come away with an angled ball that finds another man. And we haven't seen that, seen that down the den for years, have we? No, definitely not. I think the worst thing about it, though, is um, good point that my brother made earlier is that you know how far ahead are Watford of us if they're loaning out players of that calibre to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's very true. Um, and how far behind must be uh, Austria Vienna or wherever it was that the Meyerhofer was playing for? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I don't know where it leaves us, but um, uh, plan El Presidente says that the, the plan seems to be to give the Fabrini to see what happens. Plan B is to lump it at the beanpole, Meyerhofer, who can't head a ball. Um, I. I, I find myself digging out my Hoffer a lot, Charlie, on these shows, and I don't like to, you know, kind of um, scapegoat one individual. But I, my gosh, that man is poor, isn't he? I've got serious reservations about him as a player. I mean, I really don't rate him. Uh, probably controversially, I think we looked better when he was on the pitch, but I'm not so sure that was down to him. Just, but just you know, the sort of consequences of the game, really. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's a good player, but I sort of would question why we even brought him back in the first place, really. So I'm, I'm trying not to sort of take the frustration out on him. Yeah. Just genuinely asking why we bothered. I think it is, it is the, the the principle we've spoken about, that anything's better than nothing. It's the Michael Tong approach that, you know, at least, at least we had a signing, at least we got a striker in. And upon his, his tall uh, electric pylon legs, we, we pin all of our hopes. And um, he, 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 the goal today almost epitomised him. I mean, I, I don't know how much involvement he actually had. In it. He was just in, in, in the area. He was just standing around and the ball hit him and went in the, in the, in the net. So he'll claim that as a goal. But um, at least that's how it appeared to me in real time. I haven't seen the replay. But no, as, as a striker, he must be one of the poorest I've seen in in my mule career. I know that's a big statement because you know, I'm talking about the likes of Michael Marks back in the day, right. uh, <laughs> Trevor Aylott in the day. And I've, you know, I've seen a few poor strikers as, as many of the listeners will do too. And I, I put him in that category because I just can't see the, I can't see the attraction of the man. I can't see what he brings to us. I think on the wider level, we've got three sort of main strikers there. Who, you know, anyone who's heard me on, on the show earlier in the season will know that, you know, I don't think Fuller and Gregory, are the answer either. So we've got three strikers there who are being asked to pull the strings and none of them are really good enough to do it individually. Depressing. Depressing. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. It's all right for Bircham, incidentally. Mark Bircham's left for the Chicago Fire, Charlie. Would you would you take a job in Chicago if offered and <laughs> on high money? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's pretty fucking cold over there. <laughs> it wasn't exactly glamorous down the den today, so... 
Oh, we wish it, we wish Birch well. I, I, I know that um, you know. Uh, obviously, he's left us in um, probably not the circumstances he would have wanted to have le left us, but um, he's got an opportunity in the MLS in the USA. We're playing for the uh, managing the Chicago Fire out there, and um, all the best to Birch on that front. That's probably about the best we can say on on that subject. Thanks for coming on the show, Charlie. It's, no, uh, you're welcome. It's been a, been a strange been a strange day in many respects, isn't it? It's it's, it's got a curiously um, flat kind of feel, and and I, you know, the, even though the result was um, or the performance for in parts for me today was 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 not so bad, the result does does have a certain sting to it. I've got to say. Yeah, well, just trying to put a positive spin on it. Uh, you know, we go again on Tuesday night, and I'm glad we've got a game coming up, so we don't have to dwell on this one too much, really. Well said. Nice one, Charlie. Many thanks for coming on the show, mate. You're welcome. Cheers. Take care, mate. Achtung, Mailball. All right, welcome back after the break. And now we have a new voice to Achtung. Big welcome to Harry Warren. Welcome to the show, Harry. You're right, Nick. Thanks for coming on. We've both been at the den today. Um, I was just saying to Charlie in the previous section... Um, that at times I, I expressed a controversial view on Twitter that at times I didn't think we were that bad today. Um, I don't know if you differ with that viewpoint, Harry. Where, how did, what was your take on today's proceedings, mate? Um, I agree with you to a point. I think it's been better than what it has been, which some people might feel isn't hard considering yep. where yep. we are. But I thought first off, you know, other than, other than the goal, which... Admittedly, it was always going to come from Scannell if it was, because that's Mill's fucking luck. So Strong player, Scannell, Harry. I mean, it, I, I thought he looked apart today for them. He was mo by far their most dangerous player. Yeah, but then he was playing against Beavers at left-back, which... Yes, you know. yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, I mean, a, a, a few people have made this point back at me. I mean, I, I posted it on Twitter, you might, might have seen it, that um, I didn't think we were... Um, it wasn't the, the the kind of depression that seems to have set in collectively. I, I personally feel isn't isn't justified, and that wasn't the worst performance we've seen all season. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we've got beaten and we got well beaten in, in the end by a, a team that um, we probably should have defeated. But we've seen a lot worse than that, Harry. Yeah, we have. And the thing was, was it was all our own doing. We were defeated by ourselves, really. I don't think we. I thought first half until their goal, they looked. You know, an average side that were no better than us. So if they were below us in the table, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been surprised. No. Um, Hoff played particularly well for him. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 damned, I, damned by faint praise there, Harry. <laughs> yeah. I think he, I think he's the most hated Austrian since since Hitler, really. At the day. <laughs> <Boom, laughs> <chink. laughs> I like that. Yeah, game. <laughs> I think that's the only. I think that's the only the only way to sum up. Kind of, you either love him or you hate him. He is really becoming a bit of a yeah, like McDonald kind of sense that either people thought he was a complete waste of money or or he's brilliant. So <laughs> I, th I thought he was good. I thought I thought the first half, you know, yeah, we could have we could have easily gone into one up if we hadn't conceded or two up if we hadn't conceded. But it was a lot better. I think there's a lot more positives. If you try and think of the positives, they are there. They are there to find. So I, I suppose I'm with you on that point, but the fucking second half, just Stolloway just sometimes doesn't help themselves, does he? You just No, I mean they were they were down to ten men. Um I mean that was fairly soon after the start, the restart, wasn't it? They were down to ten men. Wells saw a second yellow. Um and I, I 
for large chunks of the second half, we were moving the ball around well. We were trying to stretch them. Now, I've seen it on online that people say we, we had no penetration, and, and no, we, we didn't. Clearly, we didn't. But that's been the story of the season. But we were containing them. We were we were moving the ball forwards, and I thought we had purpose in that second we period. We, we did have purpose, but we had purpose right up until the minute that he took off who was... If he doesn't do anything himself, I think he creates this, fuck, there's a really tall man in the box, let's put everyone on him, leaving somebody free. Now, that, that, that was what we were doing. We were lumping balls forward, sort of like we were last season. It reminded me of when we had Morrison playing off sort of, because I sit on the opposite side to you, if yeah. I, I look across. Yeah. It's like you hit a long diagonal from the left-back position or sort of a centre midfielder in Williams or wherever it's it sort of diagonally to the right. And it's just, right, well, let's hope somebody gets a fucking chest or an head or something on it to send it goalwards. Yeah. And that's, that's fine if you've got off on because at least you've got Gregory off, you brought him on to spin off him. But you take him off as soon as they go down to 10 men. And funny enough, I think the bloke, there was an incident, I think it was in the first half, where... Uh, Williams, no, it was Upson. Upson yeah. or Williams, they both got booked. I forgot which one it was for a high foot. Yeah. And the bloke reacted, I don't know if you saw it where you were sitting, Yeah. Um, by pushing him square in the chest. Yes, there was a bit of a handbags, wasn't there? Yeah. Out there? yeah. Which, if you are refing to the letter of the law, which this mini fucking prick that we had today decided to do, because it was never, I mean, he made his, Rob for his own backing, booking everyone in the first half for every little thing. So I agree kind of to a point that I've seen worse yellow card challenges yeah. get away with not being a second yellow, if you understand what I mean, for, for them. So they probably didn't deserve to be down to 10 men. I mean, referee's a good point, and something I haven't actually explored so far in the show. Um, I thought it was a very poor referee. I mean, I, 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 I used the derogatory term, a little Napoleon, a little Hitler out there, because he was just he was issuing cards left, right and centre at one point in the first half. Then I think it dawned on him, if he carried on like that, they would have to start sending people off. And he seemed to... Well, he sent Naki Wells off, and then, it, it, as you say, there was a, a kind of a free run given almost for a, a period of time, because he didn't seem to want to issue any more yellow cards. Yeah, and funnily enough, it was the it was the bloke who should have been red carded to the letter of the law if it wasn't at the den, you know. Yeah, we all know. Um, pushed Williams in the chest, doesn't even get a booking, and he was the bloke that scored. Yeah, the uh, the goal against Ford. Well, the goal against our magnificent island number one, which. Well, there's a, there's another question. I mean, the refereeing, obviously, we're you know it's it's a, it's the same story every week, isn't it? We very rarely do we get a referee where we we heap praise on their shoulders. But the uh, Charlie raised a good question. Asked me a question. I'm going to throw it back at you now, Harry. Um, we've got the new signing. We've got Jewel Nard, who's coming from Spurs. I, I don't know anything about him. I'm, I'm guessing a young, decent Premier League goalkeeping prospect. Um, would you drop David Ford? Would you? Would you? Is it time to axe Ireland's number one and bring in you know? Archer as a replacement. Uh, I think it's time to drop him. Whether or not it's time to bring in this Spurs low knee, I don't really agree with why we've gone and got him, to be honest. Mm. Um, you hear stories that he's supposed to be the England under 19 goalkeeper we're supposed to have somewhere floating about the club. Surely if we are, if Holloway's rebuilding this amazing League One kids, Man United class of 92, that seems to be the way it looked to me. I mean, yeah. if Go and watch the youth. If you do go and have time on sort of whenever the youth team is playing, you'd go and watch the kids, and there are some pretty decent football players there. Whether or not that means their goalkeeper's good enough to beat 
better than Ford. I mean, maybe it's just time to take him out for a rest. I don't, I don't know what else you can say other than he fucks up far too regularly. It's gone back to sort of, remember the year that we lost in the playoff final? Yeah. You could put back to how many points Ford lost you that season. When he's gone back to playing like that, I think we brought Mildenhall into season after that, did we? Or am I getting my season No, it sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, just to, to play devil's advocate today, I mean, uh, Ford, I described it in real time, and I, I haven't seen anything since, so this might be a hyperbole, hyperbole, but he made what I described as a miracle save just before half-time. I think the Huddersfield forward put like a looping header, and he seemed to be going backwards and kind of dug it out from underneath the bar. Oh, was that the one where he was on the basically on the floor before it sort of reached him? Yeah, so I was a long way away, so I might be overdoing this, so forgive it. But um, so uh, you know, let's let's settle on a, a, a very strong save, world class, European class, whatever, international class. And then yeah, his error let us down in the second half, didn't it? I mean, it was his error that let the goal in. The ball ran over his hand, basically, and that was that was game over. Um, but that's in the nature of the goalkeeper's role, isn't it? You know, you're, you're judged only on your on your pratfalls, never on on the on the miracles you perform. Yeah, I mean, he 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 makes saves that he shouldn't make, and I think that's what keeps him in the position that he is, and maybe make us think that he isn't a championship goalkeeper. He's never been any higher than a championship goalkeeper. So no, other, no. other than going to his few international games that he that he's played in and. You know, if Ford's on fire, he's probably the best goalkeeper, arguably, in the division. When he's not, he's probably not Sunday pub football class. And yeah. I, don't what's, I don't know what's going on. Whether or not it's he doesn't trust the back four, or maybe they don't trust him. So there was a weird period of games, maybe five years ago now, where if the ball went anywhere near, the, went anywhere near from a cross, we were conceding because Ford was sort of stuck in no man's land. And... Maybe maybe he doesn't get on with a goalkeeping coach. You, you don't know. He, he's a no. weird player in the sense that he is a very form. He's either in blinding form or he's in terrible form. He's not. He's not a sort of average average player. But I, then again, I don't know. Should we stick with him? Is he on big money? Is he here for the rest of his life? Well, footballing career, probably. So I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we should have cashed in on him last season. Maybe yeah. we should have a year and cashed in. In a way, it mills as a club and as a support and as a, as a group generally. I think we fall foul of sentiment ruling the head, the the very best, and I by that I mean the managers and and the clubs at the very top table are, are often quite ruthless. They 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 will axe their kill their darlings, won't they? They'll get rid of them at the what seems to be the height of their powers. They don't let them go on for too long. I mean, I suppose Liverpool's a good example. Now, with Gerrard, who's still going through the motions, when a, a more ruthless club would have got shot of him a season or two ago, you know. And I think we're falling foul of that with, with Ford, perhaps. Yeah, may, maybe with Jimmy as well. Even though it pains me to say it, being one of Jimmy Abdu's more sort of defence-minded sort of jump to Jimmy's defensive, well, why the fuck did you pass in the ball kind of idea. Yeah. Um I mean, today, that was probably Jimmy's worst performance in a Millwall shirt, arguably. Yeah, I mean, it was his error that led to the to the second goal, the, the killer goal. Um, I, I mean, generally speaking, he will make errors, won't he, Harry? I mean, it, he, he is that kind of player. He's, he's industrious, and generally speaking, he'll make an error, but he's back in front of you again in a flash to undo that error. And he just didn't get the opportunity with that break today. Yeah, but I think there was there was other times where where he played in the first half. I think it was quite early on. He played a loose pass with back to goal because they 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 played a sort of 
I think they came here for the draw. I don't think they came to Millwall today looking to nick all three points, or if they did, it was on the counter. Yeah. I think they knew we, with the way we were going to play, especially with Williams and Upton in the side, which worked last season, which, funnily enough, we haven't seen until now, really, in large sort of extended runs of that in the midfield, which, again, goes back to all the way. But, um, what do you make of Beavers, the choice of Beavers at left-back, Harry? I, I prefer Beavers than Harding. Or do you? Harding. Yeah. I, I think he's a terrible football player, from what I've seen of him. I mean, I didn't go to Forest, I have to admit, but I, that well, Tuesday it, it, night against Reading, he looks like... I mean, you you can only compare him to what you've seen this season. I'm not yeah. going to further back. Briggs, Briggs isn't a Millwall player. He will be probably half-decent somewhere else, but he's never going to get the time that he needs here to develop as a football player because that's not the way we are. He doesn't have the rugged tone that the, the, no. the, the crowd look for down there either, Harry. Yeah, you look for a Frampton, a Tony Craig. Uh, Precisely, you know, yeah. It was the same with Scott Barron to a, to a point. You know, anyone that doesn't put a crunching tackle in at left back at Millwall seemed surface to requirements, really. Yeah. Another player I want to get your take on. I've seen a few um, interesting um, posts on, on Twitter and, and, and just want to run it past you. I mean, Diego Fabrini for me is a different level, uh, and I describe him regularly as an artist. Um, some are calling him now a luxury player, a player that doesn't have the end product, that has all the flash and, you know, continental pizzazz, the Italian style, but not the, the end delivery. What, what do you make of um, our Italian uh, artist in, in up, up front? Do you like him or are you, are you, are you mixed? Um, I like him. I like him if Holloway played him in a sort of way that I think would work with us. I think... When I think the problem was, as soon as they went down to 10 men, they went down to 10 men, but they didn't actually go down to 10 men, mm. if you understand. Because they lost the striker, it didn't really change... The defensive structure, down. yeah. Yeah, it just changes what you've got to break down. And, you know, it was a bit like the Rotherham game where they come and nicked a 1-0 win against us early on in the season, you know. Yeah, yeah. We struggled to break down the side, playing long balls towards people that, necessarily their best football isn't I mean we still hit long balls to Fuller I yeah. mean love or eight Fuller you can't the bloke scores goals on the floor I don't think he scored an header this season I think that he gets into their channels and plays balls in but if there's no one there to do it it's no good but Fabrini should be for me sitting behind the front two or in almost like a free roll to, to sort of almost almost in a Kale kind of back years ago arriving late to finish up anything that no one else puts in because we don't have any width. We're going always through the middle with everyone. I mean, mm. the, going back to the point about Beavers, Beavers is not going to beat anyone running down the left-hand side, is he? Or if he does, he's not going to play a brilliant he might, he, cross. He might beat me, but he won't beat your average football, you know, professional footballer. No, that's yeah, for sure. Me, it's my on most Tuesday nights. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, we, it was almost like half. That again, going back to what you were saying about sentiment, yeah, we were very sentimental in the sense that we picked a side just because it won at Forest. Almost, you could have brought Harding quite easily back in. You you could have played sort of width at any point. He just seems to stick. He's wanted to stick to a side, but not looked at the opposition we were playing. Almost. No, I mean we're we're clearly stuck now with Holloway for the remainder of the season, for better or for ill. Um, and today was probably a classic example of. Um, it's a combination of, of oddball judgment, very bad luck on occasions, and, and I don't know. It's just like the footballing gods aren't smiling on him at the moment. I, I was looking at um, Aldo's news at Den site. I don't know if you've seen this, Harry, but 
they got like a match report and these post-match press conferences. But there's a picture of Holloway walking off the uh, the the den pitch. Then he looks gone. He looks. If you tell me he was ill with something, something awful, um, I, it wouldn't shock me to look at him. He looks thin, drawn, like the weight of the world's on his shoulders. <laughs> I can I can imagine, but then. You know, I, I do generally feel sorry for him. I, I, I do feel sorry for him because, you know, we're a special club in the sense that you have to be a certain way to get us. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I'll put this into perspective. Last Saturday, instead of going to watch Millwall Forest, I, I, I was meant to be working, but on the last minute I didn't have to work. So I went to my local club, which is Dagner and Redbridge for my sins. Yep. So I went and paid a pound and watched them at their kick it out racism day. Yep. They, the way that other teams celebrate and don't get on the back of their players if they make mistakes <laughs> means that probably you get away with a lot more and you, you can get away with it. The den's not like that. I mean, I'm no. 24. You're a lot older than me. You know, it's you a place of extremes, it's mate. It's a place of extremes. You know, um, when a goal goes in, the place goes. We said it in the last show. Our, our, our talent is pandemonium. It's, it's extremes over the top. Pandemonium when we're winning, suddenly we're, we're we're playoff contenders, and now today we've got beat by a semi decent side, and now it's doom and gloom. It, 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 we're bipolar, I think we're um, I think yeah. schizophrenic or whatever, whatever it is. Split personalities. Yeah, we are we are a split personality bunch. But the, the thing is as well, it doesn't help that you've got Birmingham on Tuesday. And I think the last time Millwall beat Birmingham, it was a. Uh... It was before Millwall were actually Millwall. I think we were probably Millwall Athletic or Millwall Rovers or something. <laughs> Disraeli was Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> Hope springs eternal, Harry. I mean, obviously, there's two ways you can look at that. You're correct. We don't very rarely go to Birmingham and get much out of change up there. But a couple of days to, um, you know, we don't have much time to dwell on this uh, loss of confidence. It, it was a bit of a, a sock on the jaw today, wasn't it? Confidence-wise, I thought. Yeah, you could see it as soon as that second goal went in as well. And it was even in it was in Dunn's body language. I mean, love or hate Dunn. I mean, uh, Dunny's Dunny, and you just accept Dunny is Dunny. Yeah. Kind of thing. I suppose it's a bit like their players that I've seen since I was a teenager. So probably I have a little bit of rose tinted spectacles for the old guard. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, they're not they're not going to shirk out of a challenge. They'll take one for the team. They'll they'll do everything that's asked of them, whether or not they're coated off by sections of the fans or not and the look that he gave Ford was just <laughs> was just I mean I wouldn't have wanted to go in the showers with him afterwards <laughs> that way I mean I think Ford knew it himself I mean normally he does after the game I mean a lot of people left before but normally he does his run round yeah, yeah. like and I think they, it was kind of yeah I know I've fucked up I'm, I'm walking off to the den and quickly get me to my car and go home and let me go home yeah but I suppose we've, we've all went Dropped fuckers at work. It's just whether or not we do it in front of ten thousand people, Harry. There we are, ten, mate. Uh, ten thousand. When was the last time we all got ten thousand? <laughs> oh, mate, you've depressed me. First time on the show, and you've depressed me. <laughs> it won't be the last. Fantastic stuff, Harry. That's 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 good. Um, really appreciate your time coming on the show. Um, hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, hopefully, we'll do this again soon, mate. Yeah, no worries, mate. More than Maria. Achtung, Mailball. So I'm talking to a very special listed line. It's Kelly Maloney. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you. 
you are our listed lion for the month, so I'm just going to ask you about your Millwall heritage, and uh, is it good to be back here today? Well, it is, except for the result. The result, yeah. is, a, the result is a disaster. I know. Um, what did you make of the team? First time you've been here in a little while, I believe. First time I've seen this team. Yeah. What team? They're not even playing for... They're not playing as a team. They're, I don't know what's wrong. It's a big step forwards, believe me, from what we've seen recently, but I do... I do if that's agree. a big step forward, I'll hate to... Oh, you should have been here for some of the previous performances, I can tell you that. I would hate to see what it's because I mean, they definitely don't like. They definitely not playing for the manager, so something's got to be done. When was your first Millwall game, Kelly? When was your first game? Yeah, I was three years old. Um, three years old. Yeah, I can't even remember so long ago. In the old. Um, Old den, my dad. Family Millwall fans, Yeah, my dad took me, just used to sit me on the wall yeah. at the old um, Greyhound end. Yeah, yeah, the, the old stadium at the back there. Yeah. 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 Three years old. Whereabouts did you used to stand in the in the old den? Was it your halfway line? No, I, well, I moved to the halfway line as I got older. Yeah. And uh, then I moved to the old low lane, but I started at the um, at the dog stadium. Old Yildersen Road End. Road End, yeah. What was your impressions? Can you remember the early impressions of yeah, I used to love it. The atmosphere, yeah. the singing, the comradeship and the banter between the Dockers was great. What do you think of the new stadium? Do you like it or do, do, do you really Yeah, it, I, I, must honest, I must honestly say today it was soulless. Yeah, it was absolutely, yeah, absolutely soulless. I mean, I've never seen the ground empty so quick, even in bad times, it never emptied no, this quick. It's been a pounding, I've got to tell you, this has been a tough season. I know it's your first game here, so mm. I think a lot of people have had the stuff in knocked out by the... Uh, by the season. Who's your favourite ever player, Kelly? Who would you, who would you choose as your... One of my favourites would have been... Um, I actually got three. Joey Brawford. Right, yep. Oh, oh, four, actually. Joe ha- ha- Haverty. Yep. Um, Keith Weller. Because you would have started going back to the mid-50s, I suppose. Uh, late 50s, Late please. 50s. <laughs> late 50s. Sorry. Uh, uh, Keith Weller. Yeah. Uh, Brian King, the goalkeeper. Brian King, fantastic. And um, I, I love Terry O'Rock and Les Briley. Yeah. Who would you choose as your worst ever player you've ever seen? The 42 out there today. <laughs> Stefan Meyerhoff. The, the worst. There you go, listeners. The worst player ever. Well, no, the two Russians go. Two about, Russians. The two Russians who got drunk on vodka in the old Kent Road about the same mark. What's your most memorable ever? Match, Which would you choose? The, most, the game that stands out in your mind the most? The game in Hull when we won promotion to the old one first nil. division. Yeah. yeah. I, I went there with my dad. It was it was a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, the, all the way home, you were just singing and cheering yeah. and um, unbelievable atmosphere, yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, similar question. Your favourite ever Millwall moment? I don't know if you can separate a moment from a match, but would there be a moment that sticks in your mind as against the occasion of a game particularly? Uh, I know there's, there's been so many moments, so, so many highs and so many lows with Millwall. There's been moments, and that's what that's what Mill, being a Millwall fan is about. It's actually about keeping the faith. Good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. In, in times like these, you know, in times like this, you need more than faith. Would you choose a funny moment? Any, any funny moments spring to mind? Uh, yes, when I got evicted from the ground for jumping over the wall and attacking Benny Fenton. <laughs> And the crowd gave me the biggest cheer I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Physically like, attacked him or? Well, I might have gave him a lot of 
Yeah, costume with a lot of abuse, yeah. <laughs> Good choice. Um, I suppose it's hard to pick a favourite current player based on what you've just seen. Did anyone strike you as being particularly no. Um, no. worthy of note? No, I mean, I, I love Alan Dunn because he's real through and through. And through. through. Yeah. I like David Ford, but he made a terrible mistake today. Last question for you, Kelly. Who's your most dis disliked opponent ever? Who would you choose as the most disliked opponent in all your Millwall years? Ian Holloway. Yeah. <laughs> that bad. That bad, yeah. Oh, blimey. That bad. He's a, in my words, he's... A, he's well, in my personal opinion, because that's unprotected by law, I think he's a fraud as a manager. Right, OK. I think he's a fraud. In terms of what he says and the delivery of what we what we what see... We, what, we, what I've seen today, what did I see today? A group of players running around with no leader, yeah. with no direction. Yeah. And that's what it is. Fair play. No, I, I, opinion certainly differs on him, let's put it that way. I mean, he, when he arrived, he was full of talk and full of... Um, what he, style. what he is is a great PR man for Ian Holloway. Yeah. When things go wrong, if he's got any pride or any respect, he would walk into the chairman's office now and resign. Fair enough, mate. It's great to see you back at the den, mate. I don't think they'll like it when they hear my moaning. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to make an impact. Have you had a good day? Have you enjoyed your... Oh, yeah, it's great. Does, does back like back yeah, yeah, it's great to meet my friends. And it's the same, the banter's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's what I've missed, and yeah. it's so great to be back, yeah. yeah. you clearly got a lot going on today, so yeah. I, won't, uh, I won't take oh, thanks too much. Thanks very much. But I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And Kelly Maloney, your listed line for Achtung Millwall. Achtung Millwall. Controversial stuff from Kelly Maloney there, listeners, that's for sure. So we've reached the end of the show, and we're going to close it out now with a very nice little piece that Craig Griffiths, my um, regular co-host, or the irregular co-host, I suppose would be a better way to put it, um, has sent in. This is a short review that he's put together for us that just reviews the transfer window and Ian Holloway's dealings within that window over the past few weeks or so. I really hope you enjoy it. I like this, and I thought it was a really nice piece to close out today's show. There you go. That's Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. Hello to the family of Millwall. Seeing all the way on behalf of all the players and all the staff, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Millwall entered the transfer window on a dreadful run of form with one win and four losses in December, conceding 14 goals and netting just two. The wheels have well and truly fallen off the Holloway Express. Ambler admitted not replacing coach Des Balpin as an error on his part, while both he and Holloway seemed to come to terms with the fact that having a squad of out-of-contract players had not had the desired effect of making them play any better. However, we were told that Mick Hartford was going to be scouring Europe as the Lions attempted to expand their network, or at least give our chief and only scout a nice holiday around the continent. Many fans were interested what style we might sign from areas such as Paris and League One, as we take a leaf out of Newcastle's successful recruitment policy. As it turns out, the heads upstairs succeeded. Not in a League One star from Paris, but a bloke named Paris from the English League One, or second or third division, depending on what era of football you were brought up in. A deal for Paris Cowan Hall was agreed, 
with Fred going the other way on loan. However, what many fans didn't realise is that Cowan Hall was signed to become part of the physio's hospital 11 after suffering another injury in training. While all this was going on, Holloway and Ambler also began to address the bloated Millwall squad. Just Wright had his contract cancelled on the eve of the transfer window, leaving Lions fans a message which can only be described as full of class. The Bradford City game approached among speculation of Scott Malone's imminent departure to Cardiff City, who picked Bundesliga strugglers and Champions League finalist Borussia Dortmund to the young left-back. Many rumours fly as to what happened behind closed doors, but it was a situation the club had handled poorly, and one that had made Andy Amber look like a prized twat when he threw Malone under the bus in an interview justifying why we let a promising young player go for less than we paid for. Amber was quoted as saying, Let's look at where we've been for the past two seasons and consider that Scott has been part of a defence that has leaked many, many goals. While he goes on to say that it doesn't blame Scott solely for that, he seemed to be the perfect scapegoat for fans and staff alike. Malone's replacement would be loanee Dan Harding from Nottingham Forest. Prior to the transfer window, news at Denner posted an item of 10 strikers that should be on Mill's radar. While Benekophobi joined the so-called stingy Kenny Jackets for £2 million, James Hansen was identified as the target man Holloway was asking for. He certainly gave us a show of what he could do, scoring one of Bradford, Bradford's seven goals they put past us the Lions in two matches. That was to be the bread of the perfect shit sandwich of Mills January, with an away loss to nailed-on relegated Blackpool, the meat. Holloway has to be applauded for talking to fans after the game, with one off off post by Froggy claiming that Holloway didn't rate new Cardiff City striker Owen Doyle as much as Gregory and that Mill can only really attract 31-year-old championship players. He pleaded for time to rebuild. However, this time was short, as the Lions lost out on a police-budget-busting trip to Chelsea, following that 4-0 hammering to Bradford. The first week of the transfer window ended with the acquisition of a clown and the departure of a legend. Stefan Meyerhofer, the lanky German bound for the Premier League in the summer, signed a short-term deal with the Lions with a bonus of a free suit, probably to use for his next job interview. Jermaine Easter's contract was cancelled and he was later picked up by conference Bristol Rovers, while Lewisham John has gone on a caravanning holiday, scoring a few goals for the Jills in the process. The departure of Paul Robinson exercised one of the last remnants of the Kenny Jacket era. The first and only captain to lift the trophy for the club at Wembley, Robbo signifies everything that this team has missed since the days of Mike Calvin's book when he identified the governors, Millwall players for a Millwall crowd. The last time when both aspects of the club were on the same wavelength, something that Holloway is trying to build again with his own team. While Fred began to score for fun at Wickham, Mill seemed to turn to their recurring striker target list, becoming linked with Simon Church in what is becoming a biannual transfer window rumour. Andy Wilkinson's injury forced Mill into the market for another right back, and the answer came in the form of Sean Cummings, a member of Reading's promotion winning side in the 2011-2012 season. At 25, he's the right side of 30, which makes a change to our previous defensive acquisitions. The end of the second week of the window saw two pluses. The stench of West Ham was removed as Stefan Bywater said his goodbyes, and the arrival of a player the type of which is so rarely seen at the den, I was beginning to think they didn't exist outside of the Sky Sports arena. Diego Fabrini, our first Italian, as Nick would say, with a creative flair and a price tag, three to four Paul Goddard's, that Mill will not hope to match beyond his loan spell. Fabrini could well be the talisman that creates the chances, chances to see us to safety. A spirited loss at home to Ipswich saw Sid Nelson and Jack Powell used as political puppets to keep fans on side, which worked to buy Holloway a bit more time. Week three saw Andy Wilkinson return to Stoke and Matthew Briggs join Colchester on loan, 
signalling the end of his brief Millwall career. The final 10 days of the window proved to be a mixed bag for fans, though all at the club would have us believe it was quite frantic. Holloway missed out on Palace midfielder Stuart O'Keefe to Cardiff. Scott McDonald, Mill's only ever-present player this season, saw his contract terminated. McDonald was arguably the most high-profile signing of Steve Lomas's tenure. His lack of goals compared to his expensive wage made this a positive parting for the Lions. Even though he's arguably our best and most active player, he didn't link between the midfield and support the lone striker well enough to work in this system. This is where the Italian stallion comes in. On the 26th of January, Mill made their second most significant signing with the acquisition of Joss Huyveld from Southampton via Norwich. Huyveld's cool head and leadership would prove a key component in the two subsequent clean sheets against Reading when down to 10 men and later at Forest. Huyveld, a better quality of defender than the Lions are used to seeing, will hopefully do wonders for the development of players like Sid Nelson, who was red-carded prior to the half-time against Reading. The run-up to the final day of the transfer window was somewhat of a Holloway-esque style rollercoaster, with added Hoff eccentricity. The link to Dutch second division striker Kevin Van Veen had many scratching their heads. Kevin Van who? That is until it was revealed that the striker had agreed to sign for Scunthorpe United. This sparked a meltdown that Millwall could not outbid the League One club. Perhaps Scunthorpe must have better tailors. Holloway's new charges faced their first away game, ending in three points for the Lions and sacking the Forest manager Stuart Pearce in the process. Diego Fabrini, the Deptford Del Piero, showed his class once again. The Lions claimed their 10th clean sheet of the season. Then came deadline day. Fans were still awaiting the signing that Neil Harris said would make the fans stand up. I'm not sure that Leeds United's Michael Tong and young Spurs keeper Jordan Archer was what we had in mind. But both could be useful additions to provide depth to the squad for the final 18 games of the season. In the terms of outgoings, Mark Bircham, Mill's answer to Ryan Giggs, depending on what you read, was whisked away to coach Chicago Fire in the MLS. However, Martin Wolford's deal to Leeds fell through. Then came this. Tim Cahill has left the MLS with Everton and Millwall fans alike rubbing their hands together at the prospect of the midfielder turned striker making a comeback to England. This excitement was clearly infectious though, as a Twitter rumour had the Australian bound for the mighty Swindon town. As of yet, Cahill remains unavailable. Part of me would love to see him back as a Mill in Mill shirt, and part of me would not want to see his reputation ruined by what has happened to the club in the past couple of years. Overall review... The transfer window provided Mill with eight new players, while they shed eight old ones, leaving the squad size the same as it was. While Holloway has made positive signings, my criticism would be that once again we appear to be relying on low knees in order to get us out of mess that our contracted squad have got us into. Not only that, aside from Paris Cowan Hall, Mill's ambitions seem limited to picking the unwanted scraps from teams within our, our league rather than the best players of the leagues below with hunger and points to prove. The early signs are positive, and if we can get to May still in the championship, then this window will be considered a success. The Great Escape is on again.
Just remember, stronger together. It's what we build. So stick with them, stick with us, and I'll make your team to be proud of. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.